Hey guys, it's Josiah and... And this is Micah. We're here inviting you to the first ever Young Adults Today conference. Micah, when is it? It is March 13th and 14th of 2020. And you're going to want to sign up before February 13th because the early bird price is only $99 per liter. This is for teams. This is for volunteers. This is for interns, pastors, and key leaders, whether you're starting something new or strengthening something existing. We pray and believe that you'll leave feeling inspired, equipped with relationships that last a lifetime, new ideas and resources. And this is going to be an incredible rallying point. Micah, what are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing the names and faces that we've seen come across by just listening to the podcast. But in addition, being in a room of shaking their hands and just hearing what God is doing in their life. So we look forward. Sign up today at youngadults.today slash conference. Good morning, everybody. We are so thankful and grateful that you are tuning in with us this morning. And we want to introduce a very special guest. And we want to introduce Kara Powell to you. And Kara is the Executive Director of Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary, named by Christianity Today as one of 50 women you should know. So Kara serves as a youth and family strategist for Orange and also speaks regularly at parenting and leadership conferences. Kara is the author or co-author of many books. So grab your pen and paper because you don't want to miss these. So some of these books include Growing Young. We all want to grow younger, right? Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family, Sticky Faith Curriculum. Can I ask that? Deep Justice Journeys, Deep Justice in a Broken World, Deep Ministry in a Shallow World. And the last book right here is Good Sex Youth Ministry Curriculum. So Kara, we are so grateful and so thankful that you are willing to join us today. So thank you for tuning in with us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Yes. And so as, as our audience knows, Dr. Kara, um, you are more than qualified to join us on this show, and you have an area of expertise of research and the next generation. And can you just share some of your story of how Jesus found you and really your journey as a youth researcher and leading in the next generation and what that has looked like? Sure. Well, I, in many ways, I grew up in a church, um, and I decided to follow Jesus uh, about in third grade. But what I would say is Jesus was my savior at that point, but wasn't really my Lord. Um, and then in 11th grade on Easter Sunday, uh, we had a, a new youth pastor and his wife at our church. And they invited us to really have Jesus be not just your savior, but your Lord. And it was exactly the invitation that I needed to hear. Um, and so I stepped forward to say that I wanted to do that. I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a peach skirt and a cream blouse that were both Esprit that I thought was really quite the cool outfit in the day. Um, and so, you know, that was really my um, a, a significant step for me in following Jesus. And then it was during college when I came to understand that God was calling me to uh, work with young people. And so really ever since then, I've been passionate about seeing young people uh, be changed by Christ to change the world around them. That is awesome. I love that you remember what you were wearing when you had said like in the ultimate yes, like this is a deep totally. moment. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a while ago. That was, I, I don't want to quite do the math, but that was a while ago. <laughs> no carrying numbers today, right? Yes. Oh, Kara, our podcast is called Young Adults Dot Today. So the the general audience that's listening is 
fanatical about the name of Jesus and reaching young adults in the world today for his glory. And you've obviously been doing some research for quite some time. So what has it been like um, just being exposed to young people at Fuller Seminary and Fuller Youth Institute? And can you give a, a like a, kind of like a 30,000 foot overview of what you've been seeing when it comes to people of their faith discovering that maybe between the ages of 18 and 30. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a huge fan of young people, young adults, teenagers. I think they're the best people on the planet. Um, and the reality of what's happening with young adults today is sobering. In the US, for instance, 18 to 29 year olds, according to census data, make up 17% of our US population, but they're only 10% of US churchgoers. Um, so they're, they're absent, they're disproportionately absent from our US churches. Now that could be depressing, but I'm an optimist. And part of what we've done at the Fuller Youth Institute is in the midst of all the bare spots in churches when it comes to young adults, we've tried to find the bare spot, excuse me, in the midst of the bare spots when it comes to young adults, we've tried to find the bright spots, those amazing churches that are loving and serving young people and young adults effectively. And so um, I'm actually encouraged by the courageous, innovative, faithful leaders and churches that I see doing great work with young people um, in the midst of so many young adults having drifted from the church. That's good. Well, I've been hearing personally for over a decade that young people are leading the church uh, and Christianity in droves, and it's true. And Mike and I share this massive burden and anguish personally um, in the churches we've grown up in, but we also um, have given our lives to this cause of Christ and the next generation. So a lot of our listeners have done the same, and we share, Kara, the same optimism that you have. But what have you learned from your research that might make a difference? Yeah, so not too long ago, a couple of years ago, um, we studied 250 churches that aren't aging or shrinking, but are growing and reaching young people, or what we call growing young. And these were diverse churches across denominations, all different sizes, all different regions of the country, diverse ethnically. Um, and we were able to put these churches under the microscope, really, and identify the six core commitments that these churches have in common. Um, and I'll just share the first, uh, because we, we describe these six core commitments in our book, Growing Young, um, in the order in which they most commonly occurred. And so I'll start with the first one that was the most common first core commitment in a church. And that is, uh, has to do with the kind of leadership that those over 30 demonstrated to those under 30. And it's not the kind of leadership that we think has to be in place for young adults to thrive. You know, when we were starting our research, we had people say to us, well, you know, you've got to be really hip uh, to connect with young adults today, right? And my own teenagers, by the way, would say that just the fact that I use the word hip means that I am not hip. So I have disqualified <laughs> myself from being hip by the way I even use that word. Um, but, uh, you know, and we certainly had, you know, hip, cool, young leaders who were part of our study, but that was not the most common characteristic. What was most common is that leaders who were awesome with young adults were what we call keychain leaders, mm -hmm. leaders who were willing to take the keys, and by keys, we mean power, access, influence, authority, take their own keys and hand them over to young adults as young adults are ready for them. Um, and so, you know, these 
wise leaders were looking at the young adults around them, looking at their passions, looking at their gifts, and then training them well to step into positions of leadership and authority. So, you know, that's, that's the first piece of advice we would give a, a church is, you know, listen to the young adults who are in your church and in your community, understand their passions, understand their gifts, and see if there are ways you can start handing keys to them. I, I love that keychain leadership, Kara. And I just was thinking of the pastor of the church that I grew up at. Um, yeah. It was 26 years of my life. He was my pastor. And what's amazing is he was getting close to retiring. But I remember when, I, when he hired me on staff, one of the first things we did is he opened up his backyard for a barbecue. And there was like 150 young adults that came and wow. he had a burden and a passion for the next generation. Um, I would say he's cool and hip in his own way, but yeah, yeah, he just, he did what he could to open up the church, to open right. up his house, to say, here's the yeah. key and let's, let's reach your generation. And there's so many ways that leaders can do that, but what a great snapshot at growing young. Yeah, I just love that visual of literally handing over the keys. I think that God has handed certain keys to each of us for, for his kingdom. And now it's us saying, okay, I want to empower that next generation. And how do I come alongside? And that's what we see a lot in young adult ministry is young adults don't, you know, they, they, what they want is they want consistency. They want you to ask the hard questions. They want to know that you trust them. And it's so fun to see somebody take somebody of that next generation or maybe even three, four, five years younger than you and saying, hey, I believe in you. I see this talent. I see this God-given ability to, whether it's communicate, whether it's to worship, whether it's to, you know, be the inviter to a life group or a Bible study, or just kind of be that, that hospitality or that person who really serves. So that's kind of a fun visual. I just kind of get that vision. Like God's given us some form of yeah. Now, how do we pass the torch or pass the keys onto somebody else to help them unleash or unlock a God-given talent or ability? So that's awesome that you guys are able to, to observe that. And I love that terminology. Carrie, could you just take a minute of what you um, see kind of just after youth and student ministry, whether it's college, career, couples, because so many efforts are focused on youth ministries. And that's incredible. We are behind youth 100% because yeah. they will soon be young adults. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you forget that, right? Uh, yeah. But we're seeing more churches than ever um, start or wanting to strengthen young adult ministries that are already established or that they're longing to see established. So what have you and your team found in terms of young adult ministry and what do you see across a nation from your vantage point? Yeah. Well, if you look at what's happening nationally with young adults, just again, census data, um, young adults are getting married five years later, you know, in the late twenties, not early twenties, having babies five years later, again, late twenties, not early twenties. And so, you know, churches that have typically thought about, um, ministry as going from youth ministry to kind of um, college ministry to kind of young married ministry are realizing that it's not quite that progression, that there's often a stage in their 20s um, where they, they need uh, something beyond just young marrieds because they aren't married yet. And so, you know, the wisest churches that we're tracking with at the Fuller Youth Institute, when they're conceptualizing young adult ministry, um, they're not just offering youth group 2.0. 
Um, that's the trap that I think churches fall into is thinking, well, this worked for 16 year olds, so it'll work for 26 year olds. Right. Um, but instead they're taking time to really listen to young adults. And that's actually one of our first questions of churches when they come to us and say, here's what we're planning with young adults. We say, have you talked to any young adults about this? <laughs> um, and it's actually surprising how many churches sheepishly say, well, not really. Um, and so, you know, start by building relationship with a few young adults and understanding what is it that will um, really feed their spiritual hunger, because it's probably not youth group 2.0. It's probably a, a different way of relating to one another, a different way of being involved in service and advocacy, perhaps a different way of experiencing worship, um, different meeting spaces and places, different meeting rhythms, et cetera. So, so you know, that's actually our number one advice for churches is start by actually talking with young adults and involving them in what you're planning because their ideas will be better than yours. Um, in terms of you know, what ends up coming after those conversations happen, I mean, that, that varies so much church to church. I mean, churches tend to um, offer you know, regular gatherings for young adults that focus on peer fellowship as well as intergenerational relationships. Um, young adults also love being involved in serving in kingdom justice and neighboring well. So we certainly see churches offer those sorts of opportunities. So, you know, there are some fairly constant themes in what young adult ministries offer, but we really urge that churches um, make sure those are reflective of their own unique young adults' passions and, and the young adults in their community. That's brilliant. I love hearing that you say, hey, go to, what do the young adults want? What are they, where are they wanting to grow? What are they wanting to do? Because the last thing that we recognize that young adults do, do not want, they do not want a glorified group, like you said, a 2.0 yep. version of it. And they feel yep. underutilized, underchallenged, overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, I'm 26 and I'm single, like, where do I fit? Or I'm 28 and I have two kids and I'm married, where do I fit? So it's, it's super fun to see that ministries, they're not cookie cutter. So that just gives any leader listening the, the freedom and the ability to cater to who are they leading, what do they want? And I think that that's just a perfect way of going to them and just kind of, you know, almost doing, going around the table, like, what do you want to learn? How do you want to grow? So that's one thing that we learned as well. So we really value that, that research that you just shared. Well, and buy-in goes up tremendously when you're asked just think about if you're listening you've been asked and you've been invited into the decision making on some level at your church or your organization your campus ministry and when you get asked the value you're basically telling someone you're valuable your voice matters here mm -hmm. and so buy-in goes up so one of the things Kara I think we would do well to learn from you is taking our level of scholarship to the next level. Maybe it's when we preach a sermon, when we teach or facilitate groups, or we go into a mentoring meeting, or even when we make decisions in our ministry about leadership changes or structure. And can you talk about some of the ways that you've grown as a student, a lifelong learner, and a researcher? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, it, that's a great question, Josiah. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind has to do with reading. 
So, um, you know, somebody has said, or multiple people have said, readers are leaders and leaders are readers. Um, and I love reading, I love learning. I think a growth area for me in the last couple years has been uh, really reflecting on what I read. I mean, sometimes I read a book and then a month later, I only remember a few vague points about it. And I don't, I don't, I knew it was a great book that impacted me a lot, but I can't exactly remember why. And I'm trying to explain it to somebody and I'm vague about it. So, um, so I've created different ways to really reflect on books. Um, one is once I, once I read a book, I will often go through it and create a Word document. I'm sure I'm showing my age there. There are probably better technological platforms to use, but I create a Word document um, with important insights and quotes um, out of the book. And so it's, it just kind of gives me a way to assimilate the book um, in, in one place. And it's also a record for me if I, if I need just a really quick, I'm on the road and want to quickly look up something, then I have it. Um, but then the other thing that I've started doing is about a month later, I go back through the book again, just quickly looking at what I've highlighted um, so that again, I'm reprocessing what I learned. So, so I would say those are two additional steps I've added in the last few years, which means I'm probably reading about a third less because I'm taking some of that time to summarize and then skim it a second time. I'm reading probably a third fewer actual pages or books but I feel like they're having a deeper impression on me. So, um, so I would say first thing that comes to my mind is, is how I read and how I try to reflect on what I read. Oh, I would say I also love when other people will read books and then we talk about them. So I'm always trying to encourage people to read books so that then we can meet and talk about it. Um, whether it's somebody on our team or a friend of mine or another parent, whoever it might be. So. I love that. I'm still the old school one who does not use Word. I still handwrite them. So I don't know what that says there about you go. So that'll make you feel better, right? <laughs> All right. There you go. Absolutely. Love it. Well, Carol, we know that in your own personal life, we want to keep honoring your time here, but you just sent your son as a student this fall off to college for the first time, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Our oldest. Yeah. Oh, I love that. How has that changed your thinking when it comes to parenting and also in ministry? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, having studied the transition from high school to college for the last 10 years, my husband and I actually went through it with our own uh, son this, this past fall. Um, you know, I would say it's um, heightened my uh, intentionality with, those, with, with parenting. Um, you know, I would say in ninth grade with Nathan, our oldest, it felt like uh, when he hit ninth grade, it was like this clock appeared kind of in the corner of my mind, like, wow, he really is going to leave. Um, and I think with our daughters now, now that we've been through this with our son, like that clock is earlier and bigger in their lives. They are in 11th grade and eighth grade. And so um, I would say it's making me more intentional and it, both in ministry and parenting. I think it's making me want to make sure they have the self-reliance, self-control, agency, self-reflection, you know, take the word self and add another word behind it and that they have all that um, and are not dependent on me. So I think it's making me as a, a parent want to make sure that I really do train them versus do things for them. Um, because, you know, there comes a time when I, we don't even see each other and we only stay in touch by text and FaceTime, which is what I'm experiencing now with my son in another state. 
So I would say intentionality and really making sure I'm training, not doing for them. That's amazing. Such great takeaways. And so now we have come to a point in our interview. We love this session. We're transitioning. Yes. It's called <laughs> Final Thoughts Five in Five. So five questions, Kara, five minutes. Yep. Are you ready? Ready. This is going to be fun. Speed round. <laughs> so speed round. Question number one is, what has surprised you about college students and young adults in this next generation the most? So I think this generation gets a bad rap as being entitled. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think they have elements of that, but I see this generation as being uh, radically selfless and willing to make sacrifices. I just saw it this week with my own 16-year-old when she was far less selfish than I was about something. Um, and so I'm blown away by this generation's desire to see justice done and God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and their willingness to make sacrifices to do that. So that's, that's what surprises me the most. Oh, goosebumps on that one. All right, Carol, what is your favorite event that you've ever done? So, um, I, uh, mission trips have been very influential in my life. Uh, a number of major things have happened to me and for me spiritually, as well as kind of life stage on mission trips, including I met my husband um, on a Mexico mission trip. Yes, when I was college pastor, taking a bunch of college students to Mexico uh, to build a house in three days. And um, he was one of the leaders on the trip. So he wasn't a student, let me clarify, he was one of the leaders <laughs> on the trip. Uh, so, so, um, so yeah, so I would say that was my favorite event ever because it led to me um, falling in love with the most Christ-like man that I know, so. Love it. So good. How about what's your favorite story of life change? Boy, that's a tough one. I mean, I, uh, gosh, you know, Paul in the Bible comes to mind. Um, but actually, I would say uh, my own story of life change and how Jesus continues to transform me. Um, you know, I, I don't have a testimony of somebody who had a terrible background. I grew up in the church, uh, you know, I've been a good student, pretty good kid my whole life. But um, Jesus continues to free me from shame and people pleasing and workaholism. Um, and experience, I continue to experience God's grace and unconditional love and the freedom through Jesus that God offers us all. So um, I guess my own story of life change is the one I'm most aware of today. So it's beautiful. Well, we know that we all have successes and we all have failures. So we've come to one of our favorite questions. Kara, would you be willing to tell us one of your most epic failures that you've experienced in ministry thus far? <laughs> we all have something, right? <laughs> yeah, there's so many from which to choose. Um, but in the interest of time, I think I'll, I'll, I'll tell probably the stupidest thing I've done in ministry. And that was when I was working in jun with junior hires, I for some reason thought it would be really a great idea to put a junior hire in the trunk of my car and drive for a mile or two on the road with the junior hire in the trunk of my car. Um, it's totally stupid. And you know, how? Then the, of course his mom called me that night and I had to apologize and there was no defense. I just threw myself on her mercy. But um, yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done for sure. <laughs> Keep people out of your trunk, listeners. <laughs> yes, yes. I do not recommend that. Last and question. Last question. 
Carrie, if you could leave a room of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders with one thing today, what would that thing be that you'd leave them with? So the first thing that comes to mind is my favorite passage of scripture, and it's one that Dave and I had read at our wedding, which is John 15, 1 through 8, where uh, the Bible teaches that we, um, we can abide in the vine, and as we abide in the vine as branches, that is when and how we bear fruit. And I know I'm so tempted to try to bear fruit on my own with my own great ideas and my own power and my own skill, and I say all that kind of facetiously. Um, and instead, what does it look like? What does it look like for all of us to abide in Christ so that we will bear much fruit? So that's my question and my prayer for myself. And I want that for all leaders. That's amazing. Well, everybody, we've come to the conclusion of our episode with Kara Powell today. So stay connected to the vine, be fruitful in your ministries. Dr. Kara, we are so thankful and what a great conversation we've had today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to find out more about Kara Powell, Fuller, Inst Fuller Youth Institute, and her books like Growing Young, as well as many others, and some of her resources, you can connect to us with us on the website, youngadults.today, as well as our social media platforms across youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah Keneally hosting youngadults.today.